yours. A little different tonight. This is not something I've ever done before, but I've seen it. I've, I, I've seen pastors do this, and I like it. And uh, since today is November 1st, I want to do it. I want to hand this out. And what it is, it's the 30-day challenge. And it is every day of the month of November to think about something to praise God for. And so tonight, of course, is November 1st. And so we're going to start uh, with this list. And then others that come in later, they can be uh, uh, added, they can, you know, catch up. And uh, if they're listening online, they, they might be able to catch up that way as well. But basically, every seven days, there are seven different things. So in a week, you have seven different things to give praise for, and then it recycles. So tonight, what I want to do, need one for yourself, huh? Yep. There you go. Anybody else need one? Everybody got one? All right. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to start with day one, obviously. And uh, the first subject is God. And, of course, that's where we should start as far as praising the Lord. And uh, so every day of November, I would encourage you to do this. But since we're only meeting out every Wednesday in, in, in this way, uh, we'll go 1 through 7 tonight. And then next Wednesday, we'll do 8 through 14. And, uh, and you can go back and do them individually if you want. Uh, but I'll just go through them. Uh, every week, seven at a time, and, and cover those seven different things. And, of course, we talk forever about it. But tonight, we'll start with God. And what attribute of God do you cherish today? What, what attribute of God is special to you right now? And I'm going to pick it for tonight. Earlier this morning when we were doing our collating, the word awesome came up. We, said we have a song. We didn't sing it tonight, but we have a song in our book, How Great Thou Art. Uh, oh Lord, my God, when I when I an awesome wonder, you know, you you're awesome, you're you're awe. And someone said, when I was a girl, I was taught that only God was awesome, that you weren't supposed to say awesome when you're referring to anyone else. And uh, so uh, we were kidding uh, uh, that her husband wasn't awesome; he was just almost awesome. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I think they're probably listening to us tonight, Barb, Barb and Ray. But anyhow. Uh, uh, the subject of awesome came up. Well, what attribute of God do you cherish today? Let's talk about God being an awesome God. And he really is the only one that is awesome. We use awesome, you know, adjectives get used way too much anyway. But but awesome, when you say awesome, it's really a God, a God attribute. In Psalm 33, Psalm 33 and verse 8, it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him that's where awesome comes from stand in awe of him and uh, of course psalm 8 and and the the song itself when i when i consider the the worlds thy hands have made when uh, psalm 8 talks about when i when i see the heavens and the moon and the stars which thou hast made what what is man that thou art mindful of him uh god you are you are awesome and uh, I, I stand in awe of him. Let the earth fear the Lord. Now, we have evolution being taught. We have everything, every excuse in the book to not point to God. And, and, and it's part of the culture. That's why awesome isn't about God anymore. Because now we have awesome athletes and awesome celebrities. But truly, when you meet God and every human being will stand before God, either in judgment or in reward, 
And when you stand before him, you'll realize he is awesome. Hopefully you'll realize it before then. Psalm 119, not only is he awesome, but something else about him is awesome. Psalm 119, and I'm sure I could cover a lot more than just these two, but Psalm 119, there's another awesome thing about God, and that's verse 160. Psalm 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Psalm 119, 161, In awe of thy word, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. The word of God is awesome. Now again, there are many Christians who are not thinking that. Today, most people are now looking for an opinion, for some motivational speech. Let me tell you something. We are to revere the very word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We need to get back to recognizing how awesome the word is. And the word is awesome. It's amazing. You know, in 1977, there was this submarine that went down into the very depths of the ocean, deeper than any man has ever gone before. It's not the deepest that there is, but the deepest that man's ever gone before. And they went into new lows and miles deep into the ocean, just darkness all around. You can't even see. They had a huge light that, that would pierce the darkness. And in the depths of the ocean, they found springs, ocean springs that were shooting up from the floor of the ocean. And you know what? Job says that there are springs in the ocean. Now, Job didn't have a submarine, but Job was inspired by God, and Job happens to be the oldest writing of the Bible, and yet God knew that. God, there's so much, in, the, the, the Bible's not a history book, but everything about history, if, if, if the Bible said it, it's true. I was talking to someone the other night, we were eating dinner together, and we were talking about the Roman Empire and the different periods and things, and, and sometimes people say, ah, that doesn't fit history. Well, you keep digging in archaeology, you keep digging, you'll find out the Bible's right. It doesn't matter if it doesn't sound right. The Bible is always correct. It's never wrong. And uh, I just love the fact that the Bible is is correct in history, correct in science. You know, the Book of Mormon, um, it has these weird fictitious names and places that no one's ever heard of and it's never been found. But when you read the Word of God and it talks about these places, they really exist. They really are there. And you can you can know for sure that what God's Word is saying, it's true. It's absolute truth. And so... He is awesome. His word is awesome. And if his word isn't awesome, then how do you know you can even meet him someday? How do you know that he can save you if, he isn't, if his word isn't awesome? So the attribute of God. Uh, for day one, I have awesome. Now, I'm going to go ahead and go through these down to day seven. So number two, what else should we give God praise and thanks for? Give God thanks for your family Give God thanks for your family. Now you say, Pastor, I don't have a family. Well, you can have a church family, you know. And uh, we ought to, all of us, there's no one of of us that can't have a family. Because if you're not saved, you can be adopted into God's family. And when you're adopted into God's family, you have a family. And he is your heavenly father. And you can pray, our father, which art in heaven. And it really means our father because you're talking to him as your father and not just a memorized prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 19. There's some interesting um, verses here. But I, I think about Aquila and Priscilla. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 19. It mentions that uh, they had a house that their family met in. 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen, The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. You know, 
back in the day, they didn't have church buildings like we have today. We we have this freedom of religion and this bountiful ability to to have our own property, which is a nice thing and it's a great tool to have. Uh, but you know, back in the day, a lot of times they would just meet in a home. Someone had a house big enough or almost big enough for people to meet in, and that's what they were where they would meet. Can you imagine? If your family and had your church family enjoyed your house for the meeting place, uh, and so I hope you can give God thanks for your family and 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 if you can't think of of blood family to give thanks for, you ought to still be able to give thanks for your your Christian family. Now, Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter six. <clears throat> I hope you have not just a church family, but I hope that you have a real family. And if you do, and God blesses you with children, and there will be people getting married soon and sitting in this room. There are people who are married, people who are still raising children. I want you to think about that what it says here. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. How should you be teaching your children about God's word? Diligently. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Someone was just telling me that they were visiting a home they'd never been in before. They were visiting this home, and this home was apparently a Christian home. They said there were Bible verses all over the place when they walked in. And we've got Bible verses on our walls as well. That's a Bible thing. The Bible says to do that, to, to put Bible verse, to put the word of God on the walls of your home. It says to talk about the word in your home. Kids should not be hearing about God's word at Sunday school. Kids should be hearing about God's word in your house, in your home. You should be talking about what God's word means to you in your family. And as you're working together with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, these words, teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, walkest by the way. Sitting down together, hopefully sitting down as a, as a family and eating together and having a meal and praying and talking about something biblical, something spiritual, something uh, that, that, that happened during the day. Might, might not be every day, might not be every meal, but there ought to be times where you're talking and maybe at the end of the day, sitting down together and praying and discussing the day or t- tomorrow and what's going to happen. But the point is this, is that your family ought to be a blessing. And if you follow God's word, it will be. And you say, well, I didn't grow up in a family like that. I understand. But that doesn't mean you can't allow your kids to grow up in a family like that. That means you can't see your help to see your grandchildren have a family like that. So family. And then notice in Psalm 128. You can't help but notice family here. Psalm 128 and verse 1. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Look at verse 3. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. You know, I get the impression that they're sitting sitting as a family around the table. And the children are sitting around the table. I, I don't know that anybody in here needs to hear this, but there really is supposed to be a table. What's happened is, is that kids come in and they get something off of the buffet line and then they go sit in front of a screen and they wolf down their food. 
there there really is a, as olive plants round about the table. So you get this idea of a family atmosphere, a wife, children. And it says in verse 6, Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. We visited our daughter who's going to give birth to a son in a few months. And then I will be a grandpa. I guess I already am. She's already He's already existing. But I will get to meet him in a few more months after he's born. And that is a reward. Children's children and peace. What a blessing. And you should desire, if you don't have an immediate family, a physical family, at least you have a church family. Don't don't re- disrespect or, or disregard your family, um, your church family, the family that God's given you, the family you've been adopted into. And if you're not saved, get saved so you can be a part of the family. What a blessing to have God and to have family. By the way, they're tearing down the family. I mean, everywhere, they're tearing it down. Years and years ago, we're talking like 20 years ago or more, 22 years ago, I can't remember exactly. We, Our whole family stayed in a motel. I, I was at, uh, out of town, and so we stayed in this motel room, and it was just kind of a family fun thing. Of course, our kids were very little at the time, and, and um, I thought, well, let's watch something on TV. And uh, I couldn't figure out what was even good to watch. Or, but then I found this thing that said ABC Family. And I thought, well, that's got to be good. Because when I was a kid, there was the Family Channel. So I figured ABC Family was like the Family Channel. And um, and the Family Channel used to play old stuff. Anyway, I clicked on ABC Family. It was ABC Modern Family. It was, it was I, I do not recommend that channel. Uh, what they're, they're trying to recreate a new concept of family where, where dad has a boyfriend and, and, and mom has a, it's just a mess. Wicked. Listen, the world is trying, let me tell you something. You want to know why that is? Because there's something godly about family. A real family has a God thing in it. Because you know who invented family? Yeah, God. So we, we need to be thankful and we need to be protective, but we need to, we need to day two, if you will, give God thanks for your family and your church family. I think there's some in here that say, I'm so glad this, this church family is the only family I got. Praise the Lord, we can be that. And I hope that we can be better than we have been. And then number three, friends. Friends. Um, Proverbs. Let's start in Proverbs 27. I'm going to have to go a little faster here. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 6, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, a, a good friend is going to tell you things you don't want to hear because they love you, and they're not just going to tell you what you want to hear. Verse 9 says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweet sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. There's something blessed, something very blessed about a friend who is a good friend and gives good, hearty counsel. Verse 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You're my friend. You're going to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Chapter 18 and verse 24 of Proverbs says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer 
than a brother, and his name is Jesus. But a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If you are complaining about not having friends, you need to realize maybe you're looking at the wrong, looking at it the wrong way. Um, we have a new young person coming to Anchor Club, new to the community, and uh, I'm so thankful that, it, that they're coming. And I hope that we can be a family and a, and a friend to them. Then also look with me, if you would, in chapter 17 and verse 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. True friends are just going to stick with you and, and be a, a friend to you and love at all times and not a fair weather friend. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you, John 15. Think about your friend. Think about a close friend, someone that's good to you, a faithful friend, someone who tells you the truth when you need to hear, hear it, not lies, someone that the iron sharpens iron with. Call that friend. Tell them you're thankful for their friendship. Number four, home. Now we're talking about family. Now what about home? It says here, what's your favorite room in your home? What's your favorite room in your home? And why? I know what my sons will say. The refrigerator is in the kitchen. So my favorite room is the kitchen. Now what's your favorite room in the home? You know, Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, you ought to enter your closet. That, time, that room where you have prayer time in. Maybe that's your favorite room. Or back there in Psalm 128 where it says the children round about the table. I think our my favorite home is probably that room that we gather around as a family and pray together that and, and laugh together and have fun together. I think that was probably our favorite, my favorite room anyway, in the home. Number five. Number five. <clears throat> Self. Self, give thanks to God for something you've overcome. Give thanks to God for something you've overcome. Now, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. That would be step number one in overcoming something. You would overcome death and hell by being born again. But assuming that you are saved, I hope that if you've been saved for any length of time that you are starting to overcome some things. There's some things, there's some victory in your life. There's some things that are starting to change in your life that used to not be, but now changes are being made. We we have our hope ministry on Friday night, and we have verses about overcoming. Look with me in Psalm 40, Psalm 40. Give thanks to God for something that you've overcome. Psalm 40. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. You ever been stuck in miry clay? Just a week ago, I was down in this pit, working on this sewer system that we were putting in for Josh. I had my muck boots on, and I was stuck in the muck in my muck boots. And I took a step, and my muck boots stayed with the muck while I was going in a different direction. I was stuck in the muck. You ever been stuck in the muck? Not just, I'm not just talking mud. I'm talking sin. 
He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Listen to me. Have you overcome something? Because if you've overcome something, you ought to be able to sing about it. You say, Pastor, they tell me I can't sing. They're lying to you. If you're, if you're a believer and you know God and you've got joy in your heart, you can sing. It might not sound good to the people around you, but you can sing. It says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say you have to please your neighbor. I mean, that we, we need to stop worrying about whether or not it sounds good. Make a joyful noise. Here's what's going to happen. People will see you in fear. They will say, whoa, they're really, they, they sing like they're really excited about something. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. They are so obviously in tune with God that I am actually fearful of what it is that I might be missing out on. What is it? Well, I'll tell you what, they were stuck in the muck and God delivered them and saved them. And they're singing about it. And they're rejoicing. They're excited. Because he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. I don't know if you've ever been in a horrible pit. But you know what? When you're stuck in the trap of sin, it's a horrible pit. It's a miry clay. I think there's probably most of us in here, many of us that could maybe tell a story of what God did and how he brought us up out of a horrible pit. Look with me in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Consider giving thanks to God for something that you've overcome. Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is one of those verses we have in our hope ministry. You who are saved, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ, and don't be entangled. Look, I, I remember Milton Stratton, who grew up right here in the Black Hills in Custer. The Stratton family's still around. And Milton said, I used to be a drunk. And God saved me. People might want to ignore Milton. But they can't ignore the fact that Milton is not the same Milton as he was when he grew up here. Stand fast in liberty and don't be entangled. What a blessing. If you've overcome some things, praise God. Share it. Let other people see it. First John chapter 5. First John. First John 5 verse 1. And whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, if you love the only begotten, you will love the others who've been saved. You'll love the brethren who've also been adopted into God's family. And then verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. You know, it's not easy to love people. And one thing about church is you'll realize church is made up of people and people are not perfect. People have, people have problems. There are hypocrites at church. It's like there are everywhere. But this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And if you love 
him that is begat you love also those that are begotten of him as well verse 3 for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments is are that we love one another and his commandments are not grievous they're really not hard commandments we just have to obey and do right and then verse 4 says this here it is for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world if you say you're saved but you can't overcome if you say you're saved but you don't have anything that you can praise God for overcoming the Bible says whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith faith is the victory and our faith overcomes the world verse 5 said who, who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God what does it mean to overcome the world you're just not worried about what the world's worried about right now you're not overcome with the worry of death you're not afraid to die now I'm not saying you're suicidal I'm just saying you're not afraid to die you're not afraid of what happens after that you know where you're going and it's okay you're not afraid because you know that you have a heavenly father there are some people whose fathers passed away recently their father is going to pass away next year and they're very broken because they no longer have that protection in that person who who paid for them and led them and guarded them they've lost the only father they had well the good news for me is is even if my earthly father passes away i still have a heavenly father and he'll never leave me nor forsake me and i can be an overcomer no matter what there's no reason why i should assume that my children will never die before me it could very well happen accidents happen things happen there's no reason that i should assume that i can live to be 75 or 100 years old i might die tomorrow but i've overcome the idea of of how awful that would be because i know that my god is in charge and that helps me to be an overcomer I need to be real careful because sin can happen real quick. But there's no reason why I have to sin tomorrow. There's a lot of people that will sin tomorrow. They have to. It's the only way they can cope. It's the only way they can get by. But when you get closer to the Lord, I'm not saying I'm there. Please don't misunderstand. But when you get closer to the Lord, you can overcome some things. You don't have to sin. I'm not saying I didn't sin today, and I'm not saying I won't sin tomorrow. I'm just saying I don't have to. And I, I'm telling you what, the overcoming that God gives us gives us the victory to not have to. Someone said, you don't get to go to the bar. You don't get to do what we get to do. You don't get to, you're a Christian, and you're one of those Baptist Christians, and you don't get to do what we do. Hey, it ain't that I don't get to. I don't need to. I don't want to. I see the side effects from that. And I realize it's not worth it and I don't have to. I'm so thankful for that. Now, maybe you are struggling with something and you haven't overcome it yet. That doesn't mean you won't. But if you are saved, you can be assured that God wants you to overcome those things. And you know who doesn't want you to overcome those things? That same wicked person we've been talking about already, Satan, this world. 
There are people in this world, maybe even your neighbor or your coworker, they don't want you to overcome because if you overcome, it's going to really paint, put them in a bad way. It, you bother people when you're overcoming. I'm convinced there are people who don't just make fun of people like me who don't drink. They actually wish they were that person. They just don't want to admit it. Because it has ruined more than they want to talk about. Some famous TV actor died a few days ago. Never watched anything he had he, he was in. But I know who he was. Listen, that's not overcoming. When I die, it don't get worse, it gets better. If an unsaved person dies, it gets worse. Right, Bennett? When an unsaved person dies, it gets worse. Overcoming is the mark of a Christian. Overcoming doesn't mean you have a mansion here. But it does mean you have a mansion up there. See, a mansion up there is why we're overcomers. What's crazy is when you read the Apostle Paul being in prison and all of a sudden it says, the brethren in the prison want to greet you as, wait, what, what? In other words, there's other people in the prison that are getting saved. The guards are getting saved. Richard Wormbrand was leading people to the Lord, his guards and his fellow prisoners, while he was being tortured for Christ in prison. And what they were realizing was, we're going to have to change guards more often because if we leave this guy in there too long, he's going to convince him too. There's the overcomer. The overcomer is the guy in, in chains getting fed a piece of bread a day, and yet he is more victorious. And they would threaten him with, with heaven. They'd say, we're going to kill you, Richard Wordman. That means I get to be with my Savior. If you can't threaten someone with death, there's really not much you can threaten them with. And First John tells us that we can be the overcomers. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to love the unlovely to love someone, to invite someone you really despise to know the Lord and to come to church and sit and listen to the gospel. There's overcomer. To forgive. That's overcomer. Now look with me in Revelation. Of course, it's the last book of the Bible. And it's talking about the things we need to know and think about. Here's what happens when you're saved and you're born again. It says in Revelation 3, verse 5, he that overcometh, that's the Christian. Only the Christians are the overcomers. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Overcomers have their name permanently recorded in the Lamb's book of life. It doesn't matter what I do or what you do to me. I have a name that is that it cannot be erased from the Lamb's Book of Life. That's awesome. You can't take that away from me. And then look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, talking about Satan. Verse 10 says, the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan. Verse 9 tells us it's the devil, the devil Satan, the dragon. And verse 11, it says, they overcame the Satan, the dragon, the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb in other words they were reminded that the blood of the lamb protects them and 
washes away their guilt and protects them from any accusation. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, because you're on the winning side. And so, as we look at number five, self, giving thanks for, to God for something you've overcome. Giving thanks because God has helped you to have victory over something, and you've overcome it. Praise the Lord, Dallas. As far as I know, four and a half months in just one area of his life. We get to Christmas time, we're going to have a six-month celebration. But you know what, Dallas? There's more things to overcome, isn't there? And it's not just Dallas, it's all of us. There's there's just lots of things that we need to realize. God now God's saying, All right, now you now you graduated here, now we're gonna go over here. Now we're gonna stick another then we're gonna turn it up a notch. And he just has more for us to overcome. Amen. Then number six nature. Praising God for nature. Consider what life would be like without the sun. Scientists say that if the sun was any closer, we'd all scorch. And if the sun was any further away, we'd all freeze. We were gone back in West Virginia a few days ago, and I looked on the weather, and we had about 70-some degrees, and we were eating ice cream, and you guys had 6 degrees. I felt so bad for you as I was eating my ice cream. And whenever it's a six-degree day, we say, man, the sun didn't come out today. There's no sun. It's really not true. The sun comes out every day. There are cloudy days that block the sun, but the sun always comes out. The sun's awesome because it was made by the awesome God. The sun is faithful and if 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 we if the sun really didn't come out, we'd be in trouble. And the sun is cool. Psalm nineteen. We always sing verse seven in Sunday school, but Psalm nineteen one verse one through six. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Speaking as if the sun rises out of one and then sets into a tabernacle on the other side. Which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. They knew that it was a circular pattern. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And I know who made it. And he's awesome. The sun is so faithful. And and I'll tell you what. We really should be praising God for the extra sun we've had this year. I mean, it's November 1st. And it's still like somewhat balmy out. I mean, it's, it's like what they call Indian summer. It's pretty nice. Yeah, we've had little patch, patches of frost and whatnot, but... You know what? It's awesome the way the sun has been a blessing to us this fall. But even if it was a cold, miserable day, we still need to praise God for the sun. 
Otherwise, we'd be frozen solid. We need to recognize how good God is in just giving us the sunlight and to giving us a circular and, and to keeping it steady. I'm so glad the sun doesn't come out for 20 hours one day and then 200 hours the next day. I'm so glad the sun doesn't skip three days and then come out. I'm so glad the sun is faithful all the time. And you know what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2? It says that Jesus is the S-U-N, son of righteousness. Just like the sun, and, and there's an argument about whether or not we have a heliocentric or geocentric universe as to whether or not everything revolves around the earth or whether or not we all revolve around the sun. I tend to think that we all revolve around the sun. If I'm wrong, I, I won't lose any sleep over it. But part of the reason why I think that is because I do think that the sun, S-U-N, is a picture of the sun, S-O-N. And just like the S-U-N sun is faithful, the S-O-N sun is faithful. You know who created everything? The Bible says Jesus did. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, by him all things consist. He's the glue. And if the glue was just unfaithful for one day, we'd be in trouble. And we need, to, we need to thank God. So whether it's 40 degrees or 20 degrees or 20 below degree, de, zero or, or 80 degrees, we need to praise God for his faithfulness to us. And the sun is one of those things that God created. And then think about how it pictures the S-O-N, sun. If you've ever looked at our church bulletin on Sunday morning when we sing Heavenly Sunshine, you ever noticed it? It's S-U-N, shine. And then the second verse, it's S-O-N, sunshine. Someone said, Pastor, is that a miss? No, not a misspelling. It's done on purpose. We're not just singing about sunshine. We're singing about the S-O-N, sunshine. Then number seven, prayer. As you turn to Philippians 4, let me just ask you a rhetorical question. That means I don't really want you to answer it out loud, but I just want you to think about it. Do you realize what a privilege it is that you and I have? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between God and men. And you only know Jesus if you're saved. Do you realize that the people who are not saved do not have the ability to really pray the only prayer an unsaved person really can pray is God save me Lord save me I know there are people who make prayers and whatnot, but I also know this I also know that when you get around someone who, have, who, have, who has been used to listening to dead people pray to unsaved people pray and all of a sudden, you who have been praying and talking to God every day of your life, you pray and they go, wow, what a prayer. And what they mean is, you sounded like you were really talking to him. Well, yeah, I was. We don't, we don't do that when we pray. We just figure, he, see, there are religions that teach that you don't actually go to God. You go to a priest and the priest goes to God. 
But my Bible teaches me that Jesus is our priest and I can go to God through Christ. So do you understand? I, we're the only ones that really can do this. Pray. And Philippians chapter 4, it says in verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. That means be anxious for nothing. Be full of care for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Don't pray if you aren't going to thank. If you're not going to thank, don't pray. Somebody said that Thanksgiving is the worst holiday for an atheist because they really have nothing, no one to give thanks to. Who do they give thanks to? Thanksgiving has got to be one of the most godly biblical holidays that we have in this country. I was at Mount Vernon just 36 hours ago. And I was looking at some things about George Washington. And I was looking about how the, the very first president said, we need to have a day of Thanksgiving. And he picked the last week of November. And that's been carried on most ever since. Why? Because we're giving thanks to someone who we believe in, who we recognize as God. And so be watchful and thankful in your prayers. It doesn't mean you can't ask for something. It doesn't mean you can't go to God and make a request. But don't you ever make a request without giving thanks for something for. We ought to always be able to thank God for something. And, and what's really cool is when I'm when I'm facing a, an anxiety, I'm facing a real, I'm full of care instead of careful for nothing. I'm full of care. And I got this, I'll tell you what, when I turn around and just look at all the things I've already used to be full of care for and now he fixed it and I used to be, this, this used to be a problem and now it's taken care of. I saw this the other day. It's a good quote. Every miracle was a problem until it got fixed and and all these problems that we have we have a fixer we have someone who will take care of it and what's awesome is is to be able to turn around and do what someone picked the song tonight count your many blessings when you look at others with their lands and gold see that christ has promised you his wealth untold do not be discouraged count your blessings Name them one by one. Tell you something really romantic. Years ago, before I was even married, I saw this and I thought that was a good one. So I plagiarized because I was too cheap to buy the one I saw. I went home and I made my own. And I, I wrote, When I count my blessings. And then underneath I have one, two, three, four. And at the top, number one, I have this heart. It says, when I count my blessings, I always start with you. Brownie points. Listen, but it's true. I mean, my, my wife is close to the very top of the list of what matters, of the blessings. 
to be thankful. And we ought to stop and say, you know, here I am all mad and discouraged and frustrated because I have a child that died before me and I I don't think it's right that a parent should die before me. Yeah, but you know what? You had a child. I'm broken hearted because the love of my life is gone. Yeah, but you had the love of your life. I got I got ripped off. Someone stole, but you had something to steal. Praise God for this, the many blessings that we take for granted. And so when you pray, don't, don't be afraid to ask for things, but just make sure you don't ever ask without thanking for what's already been given. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks. There just always ought to be thanksgiving, not just November, but in everything. And, of course, I love this time of year because it goes into Thanksgiving, and then, of course, we have Christmas after that. But I love this time of year because we can, we can just reflect even more on the thankfulness that we can have and should have. Those are the first seven and you can use this all the month of November if you want to. And you can make your own notes and add things to it and maybe share with me what you thought about on it. And we'll look at some more next Wednesday night as we continue on. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for thank you for who you are. And thank you for loving us in spite of who we are. Thank you for being merciful and gracious. And thank you for meeting and providing our needs and thank you for giving us things that we take for granted and and then giving us the ability to realize what we're doing and fixing it correcting it thank you for helping us to overcome and giving us the ability to overcome help us to be thankful people help us to recognize how awesome you are in jesus name amen